Hello and welcome to Arthur Pentecostal Assembly. My name is Justin and I'm the Family Ministries Pastor here and we're so glad that you've chosen to join with us for church online today. I'm going to jump right in to the message today. We're going to be starting off by reading uh, from Luke 10, 25 to 37. So if you want to pull out a Bible and follow along, uh, you're welcome to do so. Uh, but this uh, passage is known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. So just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling near, uh, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now it's quite possible you've heard this story before. I mean, it's a very popular passage in the Bible. If you've grown up in and around church, I'm sure you've heard it you know, in this context. If not, you've probably at least heard of the idea of the Good Samaritan. There's little, little fragments of it around in our culture all over the place. We, we, we actually even have, in Canada, there's a law known as the Good Samaritan Act. Uh, there's similar laws in other countries. The United States has something similar as well, but it's literally called the Good Samaritan Act. And it comes, the idea of the Good Samaritan Act is it's protecting those who, who in, in the situation of trying to help somebody who needs help, um, accidentally hurt them. It's protecting them from being sued. Like if, if somebody was choking and you, you came and you gave them the Heimlich maneuver and you broke their ribs, uh, because that can happen when you do that, that person cannot turn around and sue you for breaking their ribs because you were trying to save their life. Uh, the, 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 there's an, another popular situation of, of the, the idea of the Good Samaritan being, being brought into popular cultures. The, the finale, the grand finale of the show Seinfeld, one of, one of the biggest 
um, events in television history centers around the the show ends with George, Jerry, Kramer, and Elaine ending up in jail because they're being charged with the Good Samaritan Act. Um, and that rather than being protected for helping people uh, and you know accidentally hurting them, is that they're being charged for not helping people. Um, they, they come across a robbery uh, and, and, and they don't do anything. And the, the, the court case is just person after person after person testifying to situations where these characters have acted strictly in their own self-interest at, at the expense of others, uh, which is, you know, quite a bit in that show. Uh, you've got the, the movie The Incredibles. Is anybody familiar with the Pixar film The Incredibles? You have, uh, this is taking place before the Good Samaritan laws were in, in effect, and there's a scene where Mr. Incredible, who has super strength, he, the, the, is fighting crime and something happens a bomb goes off on a train track um, blowing up the track and there's a train coming full of people and mr incredible gets in the way and stops this train going full speed well as you can imagine a train moving really fast coming to a very sudden stop people inside get jerked around they the their necks some of them suffer neck injuries and back injuries and head injuries and they turn around and they actually sue Mr. Incredible for their injuries in the train when if he didn't do what he did, they would have just gone off the track and presumably at least what happened, if not worse, would have been the case as well. But you, you, we see this idea of the Good Samaritan in our world. It's organizations, the Samaritan's Purse, helping people. You've probably heard this story or, or, or see, had some concept of this idea of a good Samaritan and been encouraged to extend kindness to others from this. And that is very much what this story is about, no doubt. This story is about recognizing that even people who are different from us and, you know, are our neighbor. Right? That's, that we ought to extend kindness to everybody. But there's an element of the story that is often overlooked. And it's totally understandable. You know, coming at this in 2022, you hear a Samaritan. Well, what is a Samaritan? Well, a Samaritan is somebody who helps people. But, I mean, a Samaritan is only somebody who helps people because of this story. So what was a Samaritan in the first century? In the time of Jesus, what was a Samaritan? Well... In the area where Jesus lived and ministered and did these things, the, 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 there were, the, the whole area was occupied by Rome. So Jesus was from the Roman province of Judea, which is the home of the Jewish people. And Samaria was just south, or just north of Judea. It was another province of Rome. It was another people group. And the, the history of the Jewish people and the Samaritans is actually that they were once, the, these two regions were once, and the people in them were once uh, a part of the kingdom of Israel. Thousands of years before, there was a kingdom of Israel, was the, the north and the south, and you know, some things happened, some arguments, some uh, political strife, and the two kingdoms split into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judea. And then over the course 
of time and history and nations and empires. Both of these, uh, both of these kingdoms get taken over multiple times by the Babylonians, the Assyrians, um, the, the Persians, and eventually the Romans. But through this period of conflict between the north and the south, as well as the changing political landscape of how they're being occupied by different empires, grow some differences between the Jewish people and the Samaritan people. Now, one of these key differences was how they worshipped. The, the, the temple, the, the Jewish temple that Solomon built in Jerusalem was a key part of the Jewish faith. That is where worship was done. That was where God's presence rested amongst the people of Judea. But the temple was in Judea. So, the Israelites in the, in the north, they adapted their practices. They, they no longer worshipped at the temple because they would have to go to Judea to do that. So, they had their own places to worship. With that worship separating, I'm sure there were some things that they began to do differently. But the Jewish people looked down on the Samaritans for not worshiping at the temple. And the Samaritans didn't like the Jewish people and, and would do things, if, 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 if Jews from outside of Judea were traveling through Samaria to go to J Jerusalem for the festivals, that they, they wouldn't offer lodging to them. They, they wouldn't extend kindness. They, they would not... They did not get along. And I'm sure the same thing happened when Judeans traveled through Samaria. They did not get along. If a Samaritan in Judea was actively persecuted, oppressed, not looked well upon. And the same was true for, for Judeans in Samaria. So this is not just a story of somebody going and extending kindness to somebody. It isn't just the story of somebody seeing somebody who's down and out and helping them out. This is the story of somebody going into enemy territory and saving his enemy's life. If anybody's seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, it's uh, a movie about a real-life person named Desmond T. Dross, who um, in World War I wanted to serve in the war, but was a pacifist. He refused to fight, refused to carry a weapon. And what he did was he would run into no man's land and carry out wounded soldiers who otherwise would have had nobody bringing them out. Save thousands, thousands of lives doing that. But oftentimes we'd see something like that and we'd be like, oh, that, that's a good Samaritan. It's like, no, he's totally doing something good. But like a good, like the good Samaritan when we see the Samaritan, he's in Judea. He's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's deep into Judea. He's in enemy territory. This would be more like Desmond T. Dross going into no man's land and carrying the German soldiers back to their own end. You know, it's today, rather than donating money to Syrian refugees, it's being here in Canada and finding out that your tax bill or your gas bill or whatever has been paid by Syrian refugees. 
Now, I'm not letting us off the hook here. I'm not, I'm not saying that um, that just because you're in a place of, of affluence or, or of privilege in the situation you're in, that this story is not for you. But what I am saying is that the reality that it was the Samaritan illustrated as helping the Jewish person in Judea ups the average or ups the challenge for all of us. It makes it much, much more challenging. It makes it much more serious. It makes it so much more than just being kind to one another. Our common reading of the Good Samaritan brings us into a savior complex, so to speak. But there is already a savior and it's not us. Jesus is the savior. That is not the role we ought to fill. And if Jesus just wanted to illustrate a story of us helping people who are different from us, he could have made the story. He could have talked about uh, a Jewish person helping a Samaritan to make that point. But instead, Jesus uses one of the strongest images that his audience could have imagined. You know, if the Jewish man left half dead on the road had have been conscious through this experience, he probably would have been, been embarrassed having been helped by a Samaritan. That's not to say he wouldn't have appreciated the help, but growing up and, and feeling the way he feel, felt about Samaritans and, and thinking the less of them as people and thinking of them as, as unclean because, because and part of it is the, the way that the Samaritans worshipped made them ritually unclean in Jewish people's eyes. So to even just associate with a Samaritan, to be near them, to, to spend time with them, that, that, that was spending time with somebody who is unclean, something that you, you wouldn't want to do. Having thought these things about Samaritans all his life, then being helped in such a profound way would have felt at least a little awkward. You imagine you were a bully. You ruthlessly bullied this kid at school. and You forget your homework one day and, or, and you slip on the ice and it's, it's the person you bully who helps pick you up or who saves your, your butt with the teacher and, and pretends that you, they had your homework or something. It's, it's, this is the story that we're reading. would have been embarrassing. It would have been a realization that, oh, maybe I should have been nicer to Samaritans. And in light of this, I think we need to reflect on who are the Samaritans in our lives and what does that mean for us? Now, we are all human. We all have prejudices. We all have People, whether it be based on how they look or how they act or who they associate with or just something that you see and you don't like them as much as somebody else. It's, that is part of being a person, unfortunately. It's very common in this world. 
So who is somebody who you look down on because of how they look, of their social position, of maybe their political views, or who they align themselves with? Who are the Samaritans in your life? You might be sitting there thinking, oh no, like I love everybody, it's great. It's like, no, you, there's, there's, there's somebody, there's somebody. But what does this mean for us? You know, does, does this reading of the Good Samaritan mean that only the oppressed can offer assistance? No, certainly not. I don't, I don't think that this is what it's saying at all. Again, I think that what this is doing is upping the challenge. In the, the command to love your neighbor as yourself, there is an alternate translation possible for the word yourself. The word that is translated to yourself could instead be translated to your family or someone of your likeness, someone who's like you. So instead of love your neighbor as yourself, it could read love your neighbor like someone who's like you or love your neighbor of someone of your social circle or love your neighbor of somebody of your family. And I think that actually is such a rich picture. Because you know, we can say, oh, love, love your neighbor as yourself. But that's a pretty abstract idea. I mean, and we don't always do a great job of loving ourselves. I mean, like, I don't sleep as much as I should. I don't eat as well as I should. I do not exercise as much as I should. I don't even always think the nicest things about myself. I can be pretty harsh on myself in my own head. But to love your neighbor as your family, as someone who is like you, of recognizing that shared humanity with the other, of recognizing, of seeing the image of God in each and every person, that God created humanity in his image, that each and every one of us bears the image of God, that we are all welcomed into the family of God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. It's more than just donating money overseas. It's more than just seeing somebody who's down and out and feeling sorry for them. It's seeing people as people. Whether they're like you or not like you. But how does that change how we love one another? How does that change how we love people who we don't see like us by default? How does that change how we interact with the world around us? How does that change how we love our neighbor as our family? Well, I think a big part of that is that relationship is key. The context of helping your family is much different than helping somebody else you know look and kind of three three ways to talk about that 
My first point is helping people isn't meant to be a brag. You know, the, the story is not about the noble Jew who helped the poor, ugly Samaritan. The story is about the person who would traditionally be oppressed in the situation offering life-saving assistance to the person who would traditionally be oppressing him. Helping people isn't meant to be a brag. And we don't do this for recognition. We don't do this for a higher social status. We don't do this so that way God will love us more. If we're loving people because we see them as family, as fellow sons and daughters of God, fellow children of God, it's not about recognition. It's about helping. You know, you're not a good person for helping your, your mom shovel her driveway. <laughs> you might be a bad person if you don't need, you know what I mean? Like, helping your family is not a brag. It's like, oh man, I'm such a good person. I helped my family. It's like, no, that's the baseline that we're talking about here. And I think that's how we should be approaching helping one another. When we, when we are extending care to those outside of our circles, extending care to people who we don't see similar to us, we're not doing so to make ourselves feel better or because we think it's going to make us our, ourselves look good. We're doing it because we're helping our family. It's what we ought to do. The second thing is helping people involves getting close. And we see in, in, in the story, we see there's two people who pass the man on the side of the road before the Samaritan comes. We see a priest and a Levite. Now, we don't know. Maybe, maybe they had good reason to pass. Maybe as soon as they got to where they were going, they are going to be like, hey, there's a guy on the side of the road. He needs help. You should go quick. You know, Maybe the, the priest had just done the. Maybe the priest was on the way to do a, a, a religious ceremony or, or a ritual and couldn't risk the chance of being made unclean by potentially touching what could have been a dead body. We, we don't know. Maybe, maybe he, as soon as he got to where he was going, he was going to send somebody to help. I mean, if that's the case, we're. Still not looked on fondly by the story. It was the Samaritan who got off their donkey, got down on the ground, got close to the man, cleaned his wounds, bandaged him, brought him himself to an inn, took care of him to the point where he could recover. He got close. You know, so often when we think about like helping people, especially helping people less fortunate, it's just just sign a check. I'm just going to send money to this organization, or I'm just going to to you know, I just clean my conscience by by sending uh, a financial gift. But what Jesus calls us to do is so much more than that. It's so much harder than that too. I'm not saying stop giving financial gifts. That's very important for organizations who do good work around the world. But 
if that's all you do, Jesus calls us to get close to those who are in need. If if your kid was in college and they they called you up saying, hey mom or dad, I need 20 bucks to get dinner tonight. I'm really hungry. There's nothing in the fridge. I get paid tomorrow. Could you help me out? You're not just going to hang up and send the money and expect that to be like the, you know, the extent of your relationship is more than just sending an e-transfer. There's conversations, shared interests, shared experiences that you actually know them. Like you would never just send money to your family and call that like a good relationship. Not saying don't send money to your family. Sure, they appreciate it. But there's more to that. We're called to get close, to be a part of people's lives. And the third thing is helping people involves addressing their needs. So often, you know, you see people, and maybe you see somebody living on the street, and you think, oh, they just need to stop being so lazy and get a job and they'll be okay. But maybe that's not what they need. Maybe they need assistance, finding a place to live, assistance, breaking uh, free of, of, of mental health issues or addiction, which is a mental health issue. Maybe there's something more than that. Maybe they really do just need a few dollars which is what it says on the sign and they're asking for. When you see somebody who's struggling, you know, emotionally or, or mentally, you think like, oh, if they just stop doing this thing, it could be better. That's not what they're asking for. You know, this, the Samaritan could have come up to this Jewish man and been like, oh man, this is a great time to explain to this person why his theological views are wrong or why he should stop being so bad to Samaritans. Like, no, he saw a clear and obvious need. I'm sure if the man on the side of the road could communicate what he needed in that moment, he would have said, I need to be, <laughs> I need to receive medical assistance so I cannot die right now. Helping people involves addressing their needs. And they will tell you what their needs are. That doesn't mean that you have to accept everything that other people believe who are different than you. That doesn't mean that you need to um, change the way that you believe. But it means that when you offer assistance, it can't be with the strings attached of, but you have to now change to be like me. So as we consider... The, the command that Jesus gives, or that Jesus affirms, that love God with all that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. When we think about extending that love to the family of God, when we think of extending that love to all the people around us, of showing people the love of Christ, showing people that everyone is valuable, everyone is made with the image of God,
encourage you to approach that with humility. Don't brag about it. Don't go posting it on YouTube. Don't expect to have a, a, a shrine made of you for your good efforts. But treat people as you would your family and expect the same reward for it. Don't be afraid to get close to people. Learn their story, talk to them, share your humanity, extend friendship, deepen relationship, and address the needs of people as they actually communicate them or present them. Let's pray. God, we thank you that that you that you didn't pass by us on the side of the road because we were different than you. God, we thank you that you didn't wait for us to hold all of your theological convictions before you saved us from ourselves. God, I pray that you'd help us to, to offer that same grace and mercy to those around us. God, that we'd be able to be a light in the world, that we'd be able to share your love with all people, regardless of how they look or act or believe. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. And we pray that it would overflow into those around us. I pray that you'd give us opportunities to do the hard work of relationship. God, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.